Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 526 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. How are we doing today, Joe? So when we record these shows, of course, there's like a little bit of a preamble up front that I have to cut and I always write down a little time code for myself. The time code for this episode is 526, which is going to mess up my head as I'm looking at my notes of why do I have 526 written down twice. Right. And every time you say time codes, it makes me think of Strange Brew when they're in the court. And the one guy goes, he shows in the video and he's like, they, and you can't, you know, that hasn't been messed with because there are time codes. And the, the <laughs> judge just goes, could you explain time codes? And the guy just doesn't know. He's just lying, lying completely. So he doesn't know what to say. And I don't know why. It just always makes me think of Strange Brew whenever you say time codes. You know, I've seen Strange Brew a lot, but the actual narrative of the film doesn't resonate with me. But, like, more of the hackneyed, um, tacked-on, unnecessary Bob and Doug McKenzie skits throughout the movie stuck with me more. Right. The plot of the movie is the evil brewmeister is trying to take over the world with tainted beer. Boom. That's your that's your film, Joe. <laughs> I'll take eight your words. So, Todd, what do we got to talk about in the world of comic books today? More UCS, DC feud, who dropped who, and lots of other stuff with the Lunar's rules for DC's customers. Tons of stuff there. And who also, dropped who? <laughs> uh, is that on the new album, Red Lightning? Right. Yes, it is off the new album, Red Lightning. By the way, uh, you know, the Manhattan Betrayal, I think, is on the on the album, too. Um, in TV talk, we have Moons and Monkeys I'll, I'll, we'll, when we get there. Um, also, uh, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was Batman 101 and Stillwater number two. What we're looking forward to this week. Todd's Art Attack, and at the end, spoiler-filled talk of the second episode of Hellstrom? Yes. Yes. I think I crushed everything, hopefully. <laughs> crushed into a fine powder. Now it's uh, time to do what we do. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so the big story from last week, of course, uh, DC making the, the decision um, to go from two distributors to one. Uh, dropping UCS, which was Midtown Comics, uh, in favor of having uh, Lunar, which is uh, DCBS, Digital Comic Book Sales arm of things, handle all of this come 2021. Well, obviously, in the last seven days, more information has come out about this parting of the way, and apparently, right off the rip, it was Midtown Comics UCS that decided not to deal with DC anymore and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Which had been previously reported, I guess. Right. So, you know, I'll be, well, it was just, I think what was previously reported was that we knew that UC, UCS wasn't going to be used anymore. And I think a lot of people were just speculating like, oh, well, DC made this decision. Well, it looks like UCS made this decision. Right, right. Which I have no idea what to make of, Joe. I have like 7,000 like conspiracy theories, but no proof on any of them. So, Right, and a lot of the conspiracy theories, I think, kind of lend credence to what we were speculating on last week's episode. 
um, of just how things are to be handled. And as we get into more more about what has been uncovered over the last seven days, it seems as though because UCS Midtown Comics was handling most of, like, the East Coast, um, that I guess they were doing, like, three times what Lunar was doing. Right. So on top of running their two, I think, three actual, like, physical storefronts in New York City, plus, as we've discussed many times in the past, they handle Marvel subscription business, which probably isn't a lot, but it's something. Mm-hmm. I think taking on such a large task of the DC distribution was a little bit more than they could handle. Right. And I wonder if there was a conflict of interest, like, you know, with Marvel too, you know, right. maybe they, maybe they were in bed with Marvel doing the subscription services. God only knows if they had any, what do you call it? Like, uh, like rewards for doing that. And they're like, Oh, now you're handling the D like there could be so in the woods on this kind of stuff that I don't even know. But, I was just, you know, I'm just shocked because it makes it tougher on some of these retailers, you know, like switch it. Like we said last week, switch into a third, you know, retailer in as in what, four months. It's just crazy. Right. And as I mentioned, they're, they're saying that it was anywhere from uh, UCS handling three to four times what Lunar was doing. And even in the weeks and months leading up to this most recent decision, um, Lunar, DCBS, in stock trades, whatever was saying, uh, that they're beefing up their warehouse and staff to handle the influx of new retailers and all that other stuff. But you know, to go from whatever they were doing prior to June mm-hmm. to what they've been doing over the last six months to now taking on triple of that new job or quadruple of what that new job has been over the last six months. Right. I don't think like an extra warehouse and a couple extra staff are going to handle it. I don't know. I don't know the logistics of it all. I've never been at like diamond or any other re, uh, distributors to see, but I hope there isn't a big kerfuffle because of it, you know, because I want to get my comics, Joe. Right. And I'll say this, I, you know, and from what I'd heard, um, read online that the first like couple months of it, and again, it's you know it's only been going on for like three or four months, but like the first month or two of it was running much smoother than the last month or two, right? On the retailer side, from reading stuff that retailers were saying online, like they would make the retailers would make their payments, and UCS wouldn't cash the check for like weeks. Right, and like retailers were getting their their accounts shut down because of it. You know what I mean? Right, and it was like they were paying on time. It's just there was so much extra payment coming in that it was getting lost in the shuffle, and accounts were being looked at as non-paid. It's just that checks weren't being cashed. Right, and then I saw like other people saying like, "Oh, well, our store's in blank." And our FedEx ended up going to, like, Arkansas and sitting in their warehouse for, like, a day before, like, somebody figured it out. Right, right. And I think it was just that the amount of stuff going out was just, you know, and, like, I I give kudos, credit, whatever you want to say to Midtown Comics UCS for trying and knowing that they were in over their head. And I'll just, like leave it at that like maybe they were told they couldn't do it anymore maybe the conflict of interest stuff maybe 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 but it looks as though they got out while the getting was good right 
I don't know. Do you, I so what what did we put an over under on going back to DC or going back to uh Diamond and or DC starting their own distribution company? I think last week we said within 6 months into the new year. Okay. Cuz I forget. Things go in one ear and out the other. Right. But. Now, there was some other stuff that came out about whether this is information that has always been in place or that is going to be in place coming forward uh with Lunar uh regarding how they're going to be handling these things you know we talked last week of like five hundred dollars a month how they're going to do that um and then you're like oh any store that's not doing their worth of of dc books at five hundred dollars a month but then i was talking to our local retailer is like okay i get what you're saying and obviously he knows better than i do and they're saying 125 dollars a week or 500 dollars a month and then if you don't hit that 500 hundred dollar a month thing three times in a row like three months Three consecutive months, you your account's going to be suspended. But the thing is, they're rolling this plan out the month that DC is doing their weird event month, where people are possibly not going to be ordering as much to begin with. Like, yes, omnibuses will still sell, and trades of the new stuff is going to sell. But it's just like, maybe it's poor planning to roll that out for like some of the maybe smaller or lower stores. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. But as we discussed, this future state is fully returnable, right? Right. So I guess, you know, you do have to put that money, that cash money up front, but there's no, for those two months, you could, people who, you know, are just getting their feet wet, you know, or or, or don't know if they'll be close to that $500 a month mark, can just order extra future state knowing full well that they can return them all and get their money back. Right, and that's good for the first two months while that's going on, but what's to say what happens after that? Right, and like I said, though, you know, if you're not buying $125 worth of DC Comics a week, I don't know what to tell you. Right. You know, that's your, you're running your comic shop out of the back of your house or something. I, I okay, now see, that's a good, that's a good thing that you bring up so the other things that they're going to be putting through is that they're going to be strictly enforcing certain criteria for stores obviously a brick and mortar store you have to be like a physical location okay you have to have a dedicated direct to consumer website with a functioning shopping cart Mm -hmm. or an online platform selling direct to consumers in a non-auction format. Right. So <laughs> these people that just have Facebook marketplaces or do their selling on Instagram, which there's a lot of that going on, mm-hmm. and the people who have eBay stores, and that's all they have, they're going to start cracking down on this. Now, would would an eBay store with a shopping cart be okay? Because it's right, not but- auctions. Okay, so that's different than, let's say, you know, in our local retailer as an eBay store. I'm sure there were things that he had to do to have a classif- classification on eBay to be a store as opposed to being me or you selling stuff out of their house. Right. And I mean, obviously, our retailer gets the free pass because he rents retail space. Right. I think he hits all three of these. Right. But he could have just hit it with the retail shop. Right, but there, like I said, there are people out there 
that it's like, hey, I'm doing like this Facebook chat, like this Facebook live chat thing. Leave a comment for the stuff that you want or send me a private message and then I'll send you a PayPal link or I'll send you like a Venmo link. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess another thing that it cracks down is like people that use Amazon Marketplace, because okay. I guess there are people that have, quote unquote, Amazon stores because you could sell your stuff on Amazon. Right. But that doesn't mean you're a dedicated retailer. It's trying to crack down on buyers clubs where a bunch of people get together and they, quote unquote, are a business by pooling all of their funds. But there's no dedicated storefront. There's no website. It's just a bunch of private individuals pooling their money, buying a bunch of books and then kind of swapping them amongst each other. Mm -hmm. And I will say. I get, I mean, you know, anything to make a buck you you do as long as it's legal. You know what I mean? But man, some of those like Facebook, like sellers, yeah, man, those are the worst kind of people sometimes <laughs> just, just so angry. I Like I call them, like we always talked about like the people that would be at our local con making fun of our retailer. Cause he has a banner. Uh-huh. Like, you know, the story I'm talking about, right? Yes, I do. Just it's fantastic. Like, look at this guy with his banner. And I'll never forget my friend Scott sitting there like, you literally have comics for sale, comics with an X written on the back on the inside of an inside out beer box in Sharpie. And you're making fun of this guy, you know? And that's like the people that I always laugh at that they're like, they're the, they're the big timers. And it's like, you don't know what big time is, son. Like just relax and slow down. And they always have the biggest chip on their shoulder because they're like, Oh, I just, I, I look at them as junk men, you know, like modern day junk men with comics. Well, you know, and that's in the same vein of the time that you and I got the table together at our local comic book convention. Mm -hmm. And we had like, and I don't want to say nickel books, but like I was selling books. It was like 25 cents, five for a buck. Yep. And before the doors open, a bunch of those retailers went and rifled through all of our stuff. Mm-hmm. And the way they were carrying themselves and the way they were going through stuff and grabbing stuff and pulling stuff and whatever it was, they were thinking they were getting one over on us. Not knowing that we didn't care. Right. Not knowing that this was like the bottom of the line. This is stuff that I've tried to move dozens of times this is stuff that people have gifted to me who had given me their collections to sell what i could from those and this is the stuff that no matter how many ebay auctions i put up nobody wants now you're gonna give me money to get them out of my house and now you're gonna go put them in your house and no one's gonna buy them right and i laugh because a couple of things from that show stick out at me was one when the guy was rifling through our boxes he's like yes yes like whoa yes like yeah and he's like like you guys i'm like yeah you're buying doctor who's like out of my thing that like the stories are terrible like and you're gonna go put them in your dollar two dollar box like uh-huh. whatever fine you're doing that then i remember you telling me that somebody stopped you go- coming back from the bathroom or on your way to the bathroom like how do you guys make any money selling books for a quarter and i'm like 
thinking to myself, buddy, we're not selling them to make money. We just want to recoup some money so we can buy more comics. Right. <laughs> this isn't a money-making opportunity right here. Right. And, and I was just laughing. And then finally, the uh, the guy, like, I almost shoved him away. It was the guy who was pulling, who was rifling through my quarter box. And he goes, I had a friend show up. And he's like, oh, I really, and I was selling statues. I really like that dark side statue. I said, Oh, you like the dark side statue? I said, if, if you buy it, I know you're, he was moving. So I said, I don't know if you want to take it with you, whatever. But if you give me that, I'll give you a deal and I'll throw in the Magog. I had a Magog statue that he always loved. And he was a good friend of mine. So I said, you buy the dark side statue. I'll throw the Magog statue. In. I'll give you a, a deal. And that guy who was rifling through the box was like two tables over and he came running over. He's like, I heard deal deals. Like, what are you going to sell me your statue for? I said, I know this guy and I like this guy and he's getting a deal. <laughs> what do you think you're getting? You're getting like the big squadoosh. Get out of here. Yeah. I was so hot when he came running over. Like this guy's like, I hadn't made like kind of like I hadn't made any money. It's the end of the day. Like he's going to come over and fleece me on my statues. And I'm like, these are my personal collection. Like you're not getting these. So you could sell. Oh, I was so hot. Joe. So <laughs> hot. Oh, I like when you get riled up. Oh, I'm going to try and get riled up more. I'm going to let the real me come out more, Joe. All right. It's only been 500 episodes. So I think it's time for me to show up. That's right. Let's chase everyone away. Yes. But anyway. All right. So TV stuff, a little bit of TV stuff. Uh, the FX uh, adaptation of Why the Last Man is back in the news. Uh, remember like two years ago? When it was like, all right, the pilot's ready to go, and then we're just going to, like, fire everyone and hire, like, an entirely new crew, writers, directors, everyone, and just right. completely start over. Right, we're going to burn it down to the foundation and build it back up. Yep. So, apparently, it's still been in production, and uh, a, a victory of sorts <laughs> has come out of this, Todd, where PETA is celebrating because in that original pilot... Uh, for Yorick sidekick Ampersand, they used an actual real living monkey. And now they have confirmed that going forward, it will be exclusively computer generated imagery to, to portray the monkey character. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Joe. Todd, this is how I learned the Why the Last Man TV show was still a thing. It was funny because I was literally talking with Matt about this yesterday. And he was like, do you remember like the why? Because we were talking about Vaughn and what he's doing and, and when Saga coming back. Do you know it's been two years since July since Saga's come out? But anyway. Oh, Todd. So we were stuck. talking. And I'm like, I was like, he's like, do you remember when they shut all that down? I said, yeah, but they they were doing it again. He's like, and he was just as shocked. And I was like, I hadn't heard anything. And I was like, oh, well, let me tell you about the CGI monkey, right? So. We were talking. I'm like, and this just this just burns me up because I and I won't take credit for credit for this. I saw somebody online say like, yeah, wait till episode four when they don't have any money in the budget and like the monkeys hiding behind things because they don't have, they can't have the CGI monkey. And I'm like, just just put the monkey in there. He's gonna be okay. Like just have somebody making taking notes that the monkey ain't getting hurt. Couldn't they hire someone to be on set to be like a monkey, a monkey wrangler or to ensure monkey safety or something? <laughs> monkey OSHA? Something. I I'm with you. I'm with you. Because like. Because don't they have animals and actual things these days? Like don't. 
wasn't there a do- like a movie that came out like earlier this year called like A Dog's Life that was an actual dog or something? Right. And didn't it kind of get shut down for something? Because that there, I don't know. There was a movie in the last year. That oh, got- yeah. You know what? You are right. Actually, that Dog's Life thing where there was a whole kerfuffle where the dog was being abused. So that's a right, bad example. They threw, it, they threw it in the rapids or something like that. Something like that. And I know the Harrison Ford Homeward Bound movie or the Homeward whatever, like that was a CGI dog. And like, boy, howdy, was that a CGI dog? It looked, like it, stepped, it looked like it stepped up a cut scene of a PS3 game, you know? There's no better animals than the wolves in the day after tomorrow. The <laughs> CGI wolves, they're fantastic. Terrible. So, I don't know. Uh... I think the days of actually having actual animals in movies and TV shows are long gone. I agree. And I was hoping that that monkey would change my life, Joe. Yes. Can't wait to eat them. <laughs> you and, uh, you and Borat's daughter. That is true. I don't think she ate the monkey, but anyway. The monkey ate himself? Yes, that's what happened. Speaking of which, related but unrelated, so it was originally just as reportedly in negotiations, but then on Twitter everyone was saying that, like, it's a done deal, pal, that uh, Oscar Isaacs from a Star Wars movie and other stuff is going to be playing the Moon Knight in the Moon Knight Disney Plus show. Oh, boy. Uh, so Todd's dream of seeing a radioactive moon bite a man and turn him <laughs> into Batman in a white costume will finally come true. That's right. And I love the proportional powers of moon. Uh, but no, so a lot, I saw a lot of people saying that like, oh, this is his redemption for the bad job that he did in Apocalypse. I have no idea what you're right, talking about. See, that's the thing. I have to say... That with, like, question marks in my voice, because was he Apocalypse? Like, I don't think anyone saw that movie. I don't he was he Apocalypse. Oh, you're talking about from X-Men. I thought you were talking about a movie named Apocalypse. No, he was Apocalypse. He was in, uh, he, yes, it was a movie called Apocalypse. X-Men Apocalypse. Okay. But it's, like, how he had his redemption, and, like, Clooney had his redemption, and Affleck had his and like all these people with their redemption stories mm-hmm. and like uh the R double having his uh he had like he was like three bad comic book characters he was the he was the first bad deadpool he was the bad green lantern <laughs> and then he was the slightly less bad deadpool whoa stop it you he's the definitive deadpool <sighs> but you want to see a good uh, movie I know, I know there's i know there's a guy that agrees with you <sighs> you want to be in that camp todd you want to align with him? <laughs> oh, this is not the time for the watch, Joe. But anyway, um, but you you do want to see a good uh, movie with that guy who played Poe Dameron in Moon Knight. It's Ex Machina. Yeah. Nothing to nothing to do with the the Vaughn book, but him and the guy who played Commander Hux in the Star Wars movie. So they played you know in, in the Star Wars movies together. It's one of the most fantastic movies I've ever seen by the guy who worked with uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head Alex Garland. He wrote a bunch of stuff with uh, Danny Boyle, Sunshine 28 Days Later, a lot of his movies he wrote the screenplay. Go watch that movie it's amazing. But he is a great uh, actor. 
I, I've seen Ex Machina is the one where they create the girl, right? Yeah, so I mean, good. It's, it's like broad strokes, because I don't want to spoil nothing for mm -hmm. anyone, right? Right. But yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was really good. That's a great movie. And then did you see, I can't think of what the, what the movie was. There was one with Natalie Portman on Netflix that Alex Garland directed and wrote. Uh, just, it was really good. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's a great actor. So I think he'll do uh, great work. But I'm, I want to make sure that the ink is dry on this paper. Because remember when we announced that that woman was playing She-Hulk? Yeah. And now she's going around saying, no, 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 that everybody jumped the gun. I'm not She-Hulk. So, like, either the ink wasn't dry or now she wants no red M&Ms in her, you know, trailer. But that's kind of fallen through now. So, you know, it's, in this day and age, stuff's getting reported. And then, like, somebody, like, some guy reports it. And then a major news thing runs with it. And it's fact. So I'm hoping that he is Moon Knight because that'd be really cool. But I'm going to hold my breath for a little bit. Um, I, again, I think I'm just more excited that there is a Moon Knight show being made. Mm -hmm. I don't think I knew that either. That I kind of did because when they announced those at San Diego or New York of not San Diego this year, remember they, they, the Miss Marvel movie, the She-Hulk movie, the Moon Knight, and there was one more. I can't remember what the fourth one was, but that tells you, I, I don't know the fourth one. So it's almost like Disney Plus is going to have a lot of Marvel content in the near future. There's some sort of opportunity where I can get it if I change my plan with uh, my Verizon phone bill. Right, right. I don't trust technology, Joe. No. Go listen to After Dark for more about this. <laughs> um, right. So, yes. Yeah, so, again, everyone's like, oh, he's in. But everywhere that you go, it's like, Deadline is hearing he's in negotiations to possibly star as the title <laughs> character if all the plans and or moons align oh. <laughs> see i should be writing these deadline headlines yeah and still no uh premiere date on wandavision it still just says end of this year right i think we'll get uh, we'll get something on that when we're halfway through the mandalorian you know, you don't want to, you know, you want to, you want to promote the Mandalorian right now, get people to come and, and sign up. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, uh, I'm just trying to look for something on that Tatlani, that Tatiana, Tatiana Mislani, who was signed to be, uh, mm -hmm. the She-Hulk. Again, I don't see, it just, um, again, it's. Uh, talking about like she's in there, she's doing stuff, she's maybe gonna be, she's tapped to play, but I don't see her coming out and saying, hold your horses. That's what I was looking for. Okay, it was on one of the comic book sites. I'll see yeah. if I can find it. Later. Yeah, not that I don't believe you, but I'm just like, uh, I'm not seeing it. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't trust me. I'm not a reliable source. <laughs> Always get two uh, people, and you and I are not the two people. Get a third person. Actually knows what they're talking about. I always say I want two. That's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the best gags in the show. Uh, no conventions this weekend. Uh, I think we had a couple flukes there. Um, oh, you know what? Actually, um, hey Todd, how did the uh, Baltimore virtual convention -y thing go? I know there was the one panel that you were interested involving uh, your JLA fellas, your JM Dematties is. 
your Kevin Maguire's and your Salty Keats? How'd that all go? Well, it was fantastic because JM showed up, Kevin showed up, and um, as I was watching it, Keith. Oh, wait a minute, Todd. <laughs> You're missing someone. You said two of the three people showed up. What happened to Salty Keith? Well, Salty Keith, we were told, would chime in later as it went on. Um, 45 to 50 minutes later, still no Salty salty Keith. And Jam just said, um, if there were odds on in this on this in Vegas, we all would have made a lot of money because nobody thought he was coming. Because earlier in the day, he talked to Jam, talked to him, and he's like, "So, like, what's the number I call in on this?" And he's like, "Keith, it's not it's not a phone call. It's it's you know, internet." And then they were like, oh, "I don't think this is happening." So he didn't show up, but. It was a fun. It was a fun time. I mean, I got a, a, some information that I didn't know, but I would have been a a way better moderator. I'll tell oh. you that. But because uh, I just would have asked if I could have had more sketches off of Kevin. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, it was it was a good time. Learned a lot of stuff. And my favorite thing, and I tweeted about it was, and I didn't realize it is, uh, Jam saying he's like, you know, I we didn't go into it doing like comedy like we were looking to do comedy but if you really look at it the 80s were a great diverse time for different types of comics and he goes he goes at the same time at one point in my career i was writing uh, issues of uh spider-man craven's last hunt and i was writing Bwahaha justice league international and i'm like that's pretty much to sum it up is Steven Spielberg doing Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. Like, you cannot get two, like, different books. They could not be any further from each other than those two books being written at the same time. And and even further still, you can't get too, fur- like, too further in tone and, like, everything else than those two books, mm-hmm. but two critically acclaimed, completely different subject materials, genre, whatever, books. Mm-hmm. That are still talked about in reverent tones 40 years later, 35 years later, whatever it is. Right. It's thir- It was 30 years later a few years ago because they were go- doing a hard push to do a 30th anniversary and they got shot down. Um, and, they- and somebody was talking out of school because they said somebody at DC, and I don't know who, me and Joe were putting our detective hats on about this doesn't believe heroes should be funny. But the premise was absolutely fantastic, was that it would be literally 30 years, like it would be 30 years after JLI. So it would be like, oh, well, like Guy Gardner is now a conservative talk show radio host and Blue Beetle and Booster Gold are running around on a convention circuit, like doing anything they can to make money. And I'm like, I would have read the heck out of this. Like, still do it. I'll... I'll read it, and I'll buy pages from it, Joe. Well, so I say just do it whenever. Mm-hmm. And I, so I say just do it whenever, and, like, we don't need there to be, like, it's the it's the JLI. It doesn't have to be on the nice round number 30th anniversary. Like, it's a bigger goof if it's, like, the 34th anniversary spectacular. Oh, yeah, kind of like the jerk. Remember that? Yeah. Right. And just as a side note here, um, I remember from my uh, Toy Fair Wizard Magazine days, 
the first time that DC was going to put out through DC Direct um, Watchmen figures. Mm -hmm. And I think it was supposed to be coinciding with the 10th anniversary of Watchmen. So this would have been like 96, right? Right. And then something happened where the figures got delayed or there was like licensor approval or approval of a guy who lives in a cave. (laughs) Snakes. And then by the time that they were actually like ready to come out and be solicited, uh, Alan Moore himself said, you know, this would have been much more special than the 10th anniversary. The 12th anniversary isn't as special. I don't think we should put these out. And I think that was the last time Marvel worked or DC worked with them. Oh, my goodness. This is probably the last time they talked to him. Right. And then, uh, like I said, we're kind of all over the place here with this. But that was like when Alan Moore was doing stuff for America's Best Comics through Wildstorm. Mm-hmm. And then DC bought Wildstorm. Yes. And then it took a couple months for Alan Moore to figure out that like he was working for DC again. Because mm-hmm. it was a different time and news traveled a little bit slower and differently. Right. And, and I... that's when he's like, yeah, I'm done. I don't want these anymore. Well, part of that, too, was they had a... Uh, I forget. You remember... In, like, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think he was doing League of Extraordinary Gentlemen at ABC at yep, one in point. in the ads. In the ads, and they got, they were like, we have to shut this down. And they're like, well, why? And he's like, well, because DC. We're, I'm working for DC. <laughs> like, just, and he just teleports spell and gone. You know what I mean? So. But <sighs> really quick, Joe, I did find the article that I was talking about, about She-Hulk. And she was on a... Uh, told the Sudbury Star Thursday morning, this was around the 10th of October, that uh, about Jennifer Walt being Jennifer Walt, it's totally not. I've been connected to these things in the past, and the press has gotten onto it, but it's not actually a thing, unfortunately. I could send you the link on the I thing. found it here. So she's, you know, doing press junkets over, you know, across the pond, I guess, saying that. Now, maybe she's kayfabe has to say, you know what I right. mean? But... That just, you know, takes I, I, a little, little yeah, air get, out of the balloon. There's, right. There's a lot of that kayfabery that goes on with a lot of stuff. It's like, oh, so-and-so told the press that they won't be doing X with Y. And, like, technically it's true because they are doing X, but they're doing it with Z, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got so some technicality. Of that, right. A lot of lawyering going on. Ugh. Not enough lawyering for all my life. Uh, but while you're avoiding lawyer, and be sure to check out uh, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com, uh, where all the shows in our network, anytime they go up, don't trust Google Play, YouTube Play, don't trust <laughs> your favorite podcatcher. I stumbled upon one the other day where it was called American Podcasts, was the name of the podcatcher. Right. And I'm just like, oh boy, I'm glad we're not on there. I didn't search to see if we were on there. I'm just like, I'm, I hope we're not on there. I just want to be on the one that's apostrophe America podcatcher. Pod right. But anytime any of the shows in the in the soon-to-be-named network uh, come out, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, um, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, uh, Wednesday Night War, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Argument, or anytime any of the folks from those shows appear on other shows and they let me know, then those will also go up there as well. So you will not miss your favorite soon-to-be-named network personalities appearing on other shows, much like DJ was on not one but two episodes 
of Cinema Vertigogo in the last seven days. Uh, talking about horror movies, new and old, from uh, My Bloody Valentine to Mask of the Red Death uh, to all points in between. I think there's another one that he's gonna, he and Brett are going to be appearing on here in the near future as well, but who knows about that. I, on the other hand, as this episode comes out, you can find my appearance on Five Star Match Game, where I test my wits against my friend Rob and my friend Mike uh, with my friend Joe as the host, uh, talking about trivia and minutia of 11 specific shows from WCW's past wow. in a game show style fashion. I'm excited for people to hear this on. I can't wait for you to send it to me. <laughs> and then even further still, uh, next Monday uh, is going to be my personal long awaited return to Between the Sheets. Uh, talking about the week that was October something to November something, 1995, where I get to go in-depth to a, 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 a humongous listening audience about my experience being at the den of the attention deficit criminals, the ECW <laughs> arena, the night of the fire chair incident. I hear you were laser focused during this whole show, Joe. <laughs> and uh, there's also going to be discussion of the Yeti as well. It was a very busy week. The second Doctor's villain? No, this is a the Yeti. Oh, it's okay. a, this is a, this is a Yeti who was also a mummy who broke out of a block of ice, and then a couple of weeks later was also a ninja. Okay, was he over? Because he is a block of ice the same as a box. <laughs> it is not because he was not immediately over. Oh, okay. He was <laughs> moving like a slow block of ice. Oh, like young Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> Don't make me yes. do do my my impersonation. Uh, but hey, also check out our local comic book store. We mentioned them before, Comics on the Green. Uh, they've got a dedicated website and a dedicated Facebook page. So they meet, <laughs> they meet and a actual physical structure. So they meet all of Lunar's requirements come 2021. <laughs> Our friend Becky puts a lot of her original art up on Instagram. Uh, friends and longtime listeners of the show, Chris Runt and Jason Sandberg, both have comics available to purchase through Comicsology, uh, Battle Monsters, and Jupiter, respectively. And uh, Kung Fu Grip is his Twitter handle. The Chop Shop is his store where he does a whole bunch of, like, resin miniatures and stuff, which is a thing. It's becoming more of a thing. There's more and more people that are doing resin miniatures, looking for resin miniatures and so forth. He was uh, on the forefront of this, doing these for many, many years. So all the links to those will be in the show notes, of course, uh, as will all of the digital sales and freebies that are available. And there's a lot of sales. Um, every company is having horror sales let's just leave it at that right um idw marvel image uh dc has their halloween sale this week um is dark knight returns and batman year one in this i don't think they are oh you figure with batman 101 they could get batman year one mm. That does not look like it is. But I will say the uh, Batman Arkham miniseries is in there. The Like, all of them are in there, but the original one is in there. So give that a look. That was really good. I think we talked about that on Todd and Joe of Issues all those years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't look like Batman Year One or Batman. A lot of Batman, though. You'd be surprised at how much Batman there is. The franchise, you mean? <laughs> 
cut the music. <laughs> uh, Rachel Rising from Abstract Studios. Marvel's also having sales on Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. Astonishing X-Men and Marvel Zombies stuff. And Dark Horse is having a sale on the Black Hammer stuff from Jeff Lemire. And IDW is having a sale on Ninja Turtle stuff. Apparently there's some new big Ninja Turtle book coming out this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, the links to all of that will be in the show notes accompanying this and every episode of every show that we do. Uh, now, Todd, let's get into what we were looking forward to ta- uh, reading this past week. And let's start with the book we were both looking forward to, which was Batman 101. Written by uh, James Tinney IV with art by Gilliam March. Right. Basically the fallout to Joker's War. And we find out that the money that was stolen from Bruce Wayne, all his billions, uh, were returned by Catwoman, but to Lucius Fox. So Batman goes to discuss the future of Batman and what he means to the city Um, And along the way, we find out that uh, Lucius Fox has hired a bodyguard and this bodyguard just wants to mess around with Batman to see how he he stands up to him. And you may recognize the character when you read it. Um, uh, And as they're talking, we they discuss things like what the clown hunter is up to and like that the Joker is still out there and the political fallout, the mayor. Blah, blah, blah. But the biggest thing is Lucius Fox deciding what he should do with Wayne's billions because in all this, the Joker kind of put the spotlight on a false spotlight on Wayne that he was, you know, dirty or whatever. And he's like, well, if I give the money back to you, there's going to be a spotlight and you're not going to be able to be Batman. But in this, being a lesser Batman, you're not going to be able to have like the equipment that you had, which is. The most interesting thing that's going to spin out of this is that it's going to be a sleeker, leaner Batman. He doesn't have as many toys. And I like the idea of Batman without the crutch of all the equipment and seeing what James Tinian can do with that. And also, I feel like a lot in this story was the seeds of what was going to be Lucius Fox one of his sons being the new Batman. Like, cause at one point Lucius Fox says, I was thinking about <laughs> just giving you a little bit of money to like as a stipend and go away. And I believe that was what was going to happen to Bruce Wayne. He was going to get messed up and he was going to have to leave. And like, he was going to be on like a stipend from Lucius and then he would fund his son. If that makes any sense. Yeah. But that's all, you know, that's all changed now. You know what I mean? But I feel like the seeds of what would have been Lucius Fox son's Batman are definitely in here. Right. So you give short shrift to uh, Lucius's new bodyguard or whatever it is. Grifter, AKA Cole cash, not Clyde cash, uh, image comics, Wildcats teammate, who's now absolved, like absorbed into the DC universe and Batman gives him like a little what for that. He knows what he's really up to. And I like that. Uh, I thought this was a great issue. And like, this is the textbook definition of a jumping on point. It does a great job of summing up the last, I don't know how many issues of Joker war and where we're going. You know what I mean? It's a perfect one off. Right. And I'm with you. I agree. I like the, this is as close that you could get to depowering Batman. You know, oh. it, 
as far back as any of us can remember, 31 years ago, in the Tim Burton Batman movie, the Joker says, where does he get those wonderful toys? He ain't got them no more. And the mm-hmm. toys he got, if he breaks them, he's got to fix them. He can't go buy new ones. You know, right. there's and the he- part there, he's like, if you're, you know, if if you wreck a Batmobile, we just can't give you a new one. You got to go fix it yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have Alfred to help him. He doesn't have Alfred. He moves out of the mansion. He, like, moves into, like, I, I apparently own this brownstone that I forgot about. <laughs> Which is, like, a history of Batman. Because, like, he had... Like he'd be out of the Batcave. Remember when he had the 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 office with the secret hideout in Wayne Tower and everything. Sure. So it's the it's the illusion of change. The Batcave is there, but it's in the brownstone now. But it's just like you said, a lot of uh, he has to 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 do with what he's got. And the best way I've heard it described is they defunded Batman, Joe. So, like, that's what it is. He doesn't have, the like, the toys, like you said. So I'm looking forward to this, this book going on. Honestly, like, this was a great, great issue. And if you're not, if you haven't been reading Batman, now is the time. And the whole bit with what's going on with Punchline makes me want to read that Punchline special so much. Like, Lucius Fox so mad at her for poisoning him. And, like, she's getting tra- getting tracking as, like, a victim and all this stuff. And, like, he's talking about, like, she's putting out shirts and what he was going to do. I'm like, this, this is a well-thought-out book beyond, like, uh, the main story. Like, the little subplots are, all, like, they're all fascinating. All of them. So the the other thing uh, that I want to mention with this, of course, this new status quo, as you're saying, the illusion of change, Batman being defunded, th- this is very much the type of thing that would happen in Daredevil for the better part of like 10 years, where like a new writer, like a writer would leave the book and then just like completely throw a monkey wrench in for the new writer. In this instance... Tinian is like, nah, let me give myself that challenge, you know? <laughs> let me tie my shoelaces together. Yeah, let me tie my own shoelaces together and see how far I could run. And then the other thing is, of course, Catwoman gives him the ultimatum. That mm-hmm. says, like, what is it, like, after a year? Yep. Right. That but, if you haven't gotten over whatever it is that you've gotten over, then, like, we need to figure things out. Right. I like, this is, like, as much as I liked Tom King's Catwoman and Batman. Yeah. Tinian gets Batman and Catwoman, man. Like when they each give the other one the op the opportunity to like lead the light. Like they're like, you know, you could do this, Catwoman. Like I could wipe your slate clean. And she's like, Yeah, and you know what you could do? And you're like, I was like, it was so good. Like I, I know I'd get shot by certain people we know at certain comic shops, but just the the strife between cat. Catwoman and Batman make it all better. And I really think getting them together is going to moonlight them. It's just not a good idea. Moonlighting. Hmm. I'm just, okay. So where I'm going with this is this ultimatum in the main book coincides with the Tom King miniseries or maxi series or whatever it is, which is supposed to run for a year. Right. That kind of takes place outside of continuity, from what I understand, the way that it's solicited, the way that it's been talked about and everything else. Right. Is there a chance at some point when that year is up 
at like year and hour time because like a year and hour time isn't the same as like a year in the comic book time, whatever. But when that year is up in our time, does that somehow like is that going to possibly like coincide and like meld the two together, right? Do you think they're going to swerve us? You mean? Yeah, I think it's a possibility, but I think that in the end, that was the biggest. I really think that was the biggest wedge between Tom King and DC was they did not want Batman and Catwoman married or together mm-hmm. or happy or any of that stuff. Now, that being said, a certain person who no longer works at DC who has been on the record as saying uh, nobody likes married superheroes, that they're not fun to read or write, is gone. So at this point it's you know everything's up in the air but i believe uh that all being said like the the powers that be at dc are like we like a single batman a broody batman an unattached batman that we could do anything with i get you i think you i think dc knows that they can have their cake and eat it too and for anyone to say that an x Batman, like whatever that is, a married Batman, a single Batman, a divorced Batman, a young Batman, an old Batman is no fun to write. It's like, I don't know, like write every Batman there could possibly be and people will buy them because it's Batman. I feel that's what they're doing right now. Right. That's the thing. I think they figured it out that like you like you don't have to go to the press and say stuff like that because you could just write every Batman ever and it'll find its niche or everyone will just buy everything. Mm hmm. So the other book that we read, both of us, was Stillwater uh, by Chip Zdarsky and Ramon Perez. Uh, Really loved the first issue. Um, Really grabbed me. This issue felt a little bit more kind of spinning its wheels a little bit. Like, it didn't really move the plot as much as I'd like it to. Like, that first issue felt like they did such a good job of introducing you to these characters. Daniel, his friend the town, who they are, what they do, what the town does, and so forth. And then this, it felt like a lot of talking, but not a lot of, like, moving any of these plot points forward. I get what you're saying. The first issue seemed very straightforward with one or two big punches. Yeah. This one seemed like, now that the characters are there, and we've had a, we've had the reveal of that while you're in this the, the borders of this town or whatever, you can't die, you can't age, apparently. Um, that was the giveaway from last issue. And now that the main character is related to somebody in the town and now it's everything that we are introduced to is a mystery. Like every little thing, like the little kid who fell off the roof to start the whole thing in motion to, to get the main character to, to get in trouble. Seems like he had ulterior motives. The sheriff who wants to just kill the main character and and throw him outside of town. So, you know, he can't come back to life. There's stuff going on there. The mother, the, the judge, it's all like, it's just mystery after mystery after mystery with no answer. But that being said, the judge kind of is like, Oh, well, I have to make a decision on this person. And he sentenced him to something. And I'm like, and it's just creepy. The sentence that he gives this person. And I'm not sure that I 100% understand it, but just the idea of it creeps me out in this town. So I'm a law. I, I, I like the issue, but I just wish it was three questions to one answer instead of 40 questions to no answer. Right. If that makes any sense. And by 
putting out so many different questions and not answering other questions. And listen, I want to say I still enjoyed the first issue. I enjoyed the second issue. Like I said, enjoyed the second issue just a little bit less. So they say that inside the town, you can't die, you can't age, right? So obviously this had to happen at some point. Because, sh- like, and then like, what I what I mean by that is, like, this town couldn't have always been this way the whole time. Because then it would be, like, a bunch of, like, old-timey people that were stuck in the past. These are people that apparently seem to be relatively contemporary. Mm-hmm. So are they, like, learning to be contemporary? Like, has this been go? It's at least been going on as long as the main character, Daniel West, who I would assume in his late 20s, early 30s is going on because that's when his mother was there and he was born. So then you have the kids, like have those kids been kids since 30 years ago? Or did they were born outside of this and then somehow got into the town and now we're stuck as this? Right. And in the judge talking, it says that we don't allow outsiders. Right. And so, so that's the thing. They don't allow outsiders. So this happened, like I said, I guess as a freeze, something happened that one day, all of a sudden, everyone just stopped aging and no one died and like no one could die anymore. So now, like, how did that happen? Why did that happen? I agree. But I have this weird, like, theory that the kids go on, like, what's the thing they call for, like, when you're Amish and you go out into the world? Rumspringer. Right. I'm wondering if they have, like, a rumspringer for this town that they don't want like kids being stunt, like growing, like, because it seems like, I don't know if it's a dream in the beginning of the book, there's a baby that can just talk. Like you have to take them out of the town and let them grow up a little bit. And then maybe like, you know what I mean? Like these are all possibilities. I'm not saying it's just my way of thinking. And that's kind of what happened with his main characters. The mother sent him out to grow a little bit and he got whisked away. And now she wants him to come home. Like, I just think there's a part of life that you have to go outside the town so you can age and then you can come back and be whatever age the rest of your life you want to be. I I don't know. That's just like, but that's one of the things. There's just so many questions. You know what I mean? So, and it's not, and like you, you set up enough in that first issue and now you have so many more. You're not letting those first set of questions get a chance to breathe. And I, I trust the creative team that they have a plan, that they have a direction, that they know what they're doing. It's just, uh, you know, I'm an old man and I get confused easily. Right. And like you said, when they throw out so many things, now we have to keep track of 17 things. And I don't need that. Like, I can't do that in two issues right off the bat. So right. I, I trust them all. The art's beautiful. I love it. I don't know if I talked about it before. Uh, did you notice the yin and the yang to the front cover and the back cover? Did I mention no. that last time? That the cover is a muted version. The back cover is a muted version of the front, but always upside down. No, I didn't notice that. I did as I was reading the book. I find it fascinating that I don't know if that means something, um, but that seems to be the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm going to have to look at that. I think I'm going to grab my physical issue, of course. It's not the same way on the digital copy, you know? Right. I can't look at it the same way. Right. No, I got you. I was just throwing that out there really quick, and I don't know if you have it near I have it right near me, and that's why. And I noticed it was on the, the first one. I couldn't remember if I told you, but I didn't know if it was a fluke or they are going to do it every issue. So it looks like every issue now. All right. So that's what we've read 
last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books digitally, whether you get them in trade, whether you get them mailed to your home, or whether you specifically request to have your book sent to Arkansas because you don't want them on time. Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is in the lead with two correct guesses over me. And uh, you can go ahead and go first on this since you started the show. Is the book you're looking forward to most Immortal Hulk 39? Of course. Immortal Hulk 39. Easy layup. Your list, a little tougher. There are a lot of books it could be, Joe. A lot of books it could be. So I ask, um, who? Well, no, I don't think that will help. Um, let me speculate. And I'm already in the hole. It's already toward the end of the year here. Um, who is the creative team on Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin? I believe that is Larid and Eastman telling that future what if story. Kevin Eastman. Peter Larid. And Peter Larid? Yes. I'm going to say that's your book that you're most looking forward to. That is the book I am looking forward to most. Um, The gist of the book is there is one turtle left. He is the last Ronin um, and he has all four weapons. So we don't know which turtle he is. Ooh. Um, and he's, I guess he need, he's looking, I'm not 100% sure because once I found out Eastman and Laird were kind of, this was that book that they were talking about doing. I kind of steered away from the plot, but I, maybe they're looking for revenge. But the thing I definitely know is Bostaff, Sai, Nunchucks, Katana. And it's like, which one am I? Uh, three of us died. I'm the last one left. And I'm like, and, and nothing they've, they have been tight to, to the vest on everything. So I'm like, I really want to read this. I haven't been this jacked for a turtles book in a long time, Joe. Yeah. So, All right. So I'm I got really you. excited. I got really excited. Good. I'm glad I got to enjoy you being excited, Todd. Yay. <laughs> all right. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, uh, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we have there as well, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. We have a little tab there for our store where you can purchase shirts or pins or stickers with our fancy logo on them. If you want even more fancy shirts or uh, items, cell phone cases, throw pillows, wall tapestries, with this logo, logos inspired by After Dark, at odds with wrestling, final wrestling place, head over to our T Public store. Uh, their sale for this end of the week, f- Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, 35% off everything off the site. So if you wanted a fish math shirt, now's the time to get it at a cut rate price. Uh, you could also sign up for our Patreon. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you get not one but two bonus episodes uh, of a podcast by me and Todd. Uh, one going through the film works of Mel Brooks, the other going through 30 years ago to the month's issue of previews. At the $5 and up level, you get those two podcasts before everyone else by about two weeks, and you get After Dark about three days before everyone else. And keep an eye on this space, whatever this space is, this weekend, because I might be doing a a little something to try to 
entice some people to sign up for the Patreon. Teaser, teaser, teaser. Uh, Another way that you can help us out, of course, is by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through, which can be found at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra to make your purchases through Amazon this way. They call it an advertising fee for us directing you to this little-known site called Amazon. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, someone purchased... A lot of music was purchased this week, but we'll get there shortly. Uh, Somebody purchased a Cannibal Hannibal plastic restraint costume muzzle mask with elastic strap. I wonder who that could be. I'm I'm thinking of a guy in Canada named Hannibal, but I don't think it's him. Um, uh, somebody also purchased an adult Snorlax plush pajama Halloween costume cosplay thing. Ooh. Um, he's a Pokemon Snorlax, and there was there was a brief discussion in this house since my wife and my son have full like uh, onesie Pokemon. Halloween costumes, they're like, hey, Joe, why don't you? No. That was that that was the conversation. Couldn't you just put on a, your your uh, John Cena cap and be the kid who collects them? No, it has to be a red hat with the white on it. It has to be a specific mm. cap that Ash Ketchum wears. Oh, okay. Uh, somebody purchased Fisherman's Friend cough suppressant lozenges. And as someone who is an aficionado, of cough drops. I've never heard of this brand, Fisherman's Friend. I'm going to have to investigate them. Okay, Joe. Fisherman's Friend. <laughs> it was you. No, I've had these. And I, if I had known you wanted to know when you, I would have gave you some for some popcorn or something today. Um, they are the strongest cough launches you are ever going to have. They will knock a cough out of you. Um, do not give them to anybody who has COPD because I did and almost killed them because <laughs> they are just pure like eucalyptus kind of a deal. Um, it will it will stop your cough instantly, but they are the most disgusting thing you will ever taste in your entire life. Aww. You know, medicine. I don't know, Todd. I looked at this and it said they were in a bunch of fun flavors. I never had the fun flavor. I had the, oh, I was going to do something that you had to edit there. I had the uh, terrible flavor. Let's put it that way. Well, here, let me see, because they bought a three-pack. Mm-hmm. Todd, did you have the cherry? No. Did you have refreshing mint? No. I think this might be the one that you had, Todd. Original Extra Strong. Yes. The, who doesn't love their favorite flavor, Original Extra Strong? <laughs> But uh, thank you, person who purchased those uh, lozenges, and uh, let us know if they're as deadly as Todd says that they are. Mm. Uh, Somebody also purchased a Funko Pop World Wrestling Entertainment Phantom Undertaker that glows in the dark. How many of them? Just one? Well, I kind of want one because it looks looks pretty cool. If there was a green glow-in-the-dark one for my... uh, Fantasy figure fed, maybe I would have bought it, but the purple one's still pretty cool. They're sold out, Joe. Oh, they are sold out? It was a pre-sale. They're not coming out till I don't know. It's almost like somebody was using me for an opportunity because they don't have Amazon Prime. 
Oh, my goodness. Uh, somebody purchased Bob Dylan, Seven Curses, live at Town Hall, uh, 1963. Somebody also purchased the Genesis album, Trespass. And somebody also purchased two of Jerry Jeff Walker collections, one live at Groon Hall and the other one, the Millennium Con- Collection. Uh, I guess Jerry Jeff Walker passed away over the weekend. Um, that is an era that is a part of outlaw country that I am woefully ignorant about, sadly. Oh, this isn't the guy from 98.5 KRZ? You know, now see, when this initially came up <laughs> and I saw it on my timeline, that was the joke I was going to make, but I don't like making jokes about stuff like that. Oh, okay. I do, so. I know you do. You're bad. I am. Uh, but thank you, everyone, t- for any and all uh, purchases that were made through the uh, website this week, uh, through the Amazon click-through, or ever, or forever and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how are you doing in the pigskin pickums, Todd? I don't believe I'm first anymore, so we don't need to talk about it. All right, fair enough. <laughs> we could, if you'd like. But uh, but do make sure you got all your picks because you know we talked. No, we did that last week. Um, where I double checked, there haven't I I haven't seen anyone talking about any more games being canceled or rescheduled. So I think we're okay. Okay, because I was just I'm looking now. But anyway, I am, I am. Ooh, I've dropped, man. I don't like that. Is words a words above me? Because he. He he uh, confirmed that he's part of the group this week on Twitter, saying that he's got to stop picking uh, the Jets. Jets games. Yeah. So that must really be him. Must really be. <laughs> Can't you go look at their past picks and see if he actually is picking the Jets? Uh, you can. I'd have to look it up. Do you want me to? Or nah. I didn't think so. So, uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did from Rebecca's art, a fancy lady by Rebecca, a woman with a beautiful like uh, hat with uh, pearls around the neck, a really nice piece. I'm trying to like uh, it almost feels like what's the word I'm looking for? Like a flapper girl from the like the, the roaring 20s. Yes. But but more like a more like a dress, not the, the casual clothes that she wears, but the face and stuff like that definitely rings true of like somebody from the twenties, if you will. The color, the shading, especially on the hair where you could see the hand coloring. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's awesome. It's such a nice piece. Rebecca, Uh, you do great work. You do. You do. And our good buddy DJ sent one in. He sent, he sent to Todd's art attack. I bet on myself to lose weight via healthy wage. And today I submitted my final weigh in, hit my goal, 75 pounds down overall. This was my reward, my reward slash motivation, a Mike Mignola Hellboy piece. And if anybody knows DJ, our good buddy DJ, like me and Joe do, he is probably the biggest Mike Mignola fan slash Hellboy fan. And he's been wanting a piece, uh, especially a Hellboy piece from Mike Mignola for the longest time for him to get some, like I bust them. I'm not a Mike Mignola fan, but I know what it's like to get those pieces that you dream about and love. And like, kudos to him, man. I don't think he could be any happier and to do it while getting healthier. 
like I'm almost jealous and feel like doing the same thing, but I won't. Um, that's really cool for him to get that. And now time for my knock. The only thing that is really missing is a dead tree behind Hellboy. Oh, how dare you? I was going <laughs> to say he is sitting on a, on a mound of dirt or something or a rock. Right, because there's always a rock and a dead tree. We have the rock. We don't have the dead tree. If he wants, send it over. I'll draw one in and send it back. Hmm. I'll send it to Jimmy Palmiotti, see if he'll draw it in there for me. Oh, he'll ink one, especially. All right. So uh, that's the end of that portion of the show. Now we're going to talk about uh, the second episode of Hellstrom. Yes. Okay. So if you're not watching Hellstrom, you don't care about Hellstrom, you don't want it spoiled on you, we bid you adieu. Thank you very much for listening. Episode 526 of Longbox Heroes. And I'm going to take a second here to get to that IMDb link so we can... uh, Talk along. Talk along. Somebody was complaining to me the other day how bad IMD's site is anymore. Uh, I don't like it when I go to it because it always makes me want to. They're like, do you want to download our app? No, if I did, I would have done that. Yep. Yep. So. So where are we? Okay, there we are. Okay. They they uh, put the uh, episodes in order, Todd. How about that? Whoa, who wants that? I want them out of order. Yes. Alphabetical, if you could, please. So you mentioned when we started watching this how you were hoping that this lined up with that Peter Milligan storyline. Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis. Okay. Um, is it? Are we still there or are we veered off the path? Uh, we're kind I mean, uh, like basically all the, all the be- beats are there. Damon was raised by a, uh, what do you call it? The nun and everything. I just don't feel like I'd have to relook into the story, the Warren Ellis one to see if it's the same. It's been a long time since I read it, but I don't feel like we're taking directly from this at any point. If that makes any sense. Right. So uh, this is uh, Anna and Damon getting together to discuss what's going on specifically with their mother, who is in the asylum of the church that Damon works for doing his exorcism stuff. Uh, Anna wants to see the mother, meet the mother. Not so much to get some sort of closure with the mother, but more so with the demon that's inside of her. And a lot of the show, their main plot of this is, oh, when she, okay, and then while this this is going on, um, they find out that last episode, the skull and all that stuff that they found in the cave, mm-hmm. where the people were killed, that they were people, orderlies or whatever from where the mother is so anna confronts the mother about this uh saying like what did you let loose and she says no i was trying to stop something and then like obviously you can't you can't trust a demon in these shows todd they're very duplicitous in their (laughs) motives and their methods and their ideologies and stuff it's tough to get a read on them right right um then you have anna's assistant who's kind of like worry wharton wharton over her Uh, there's the other guy who was kind of like her assistant who seems to know more about Anna that he's letting on than her assistant knows. 
Um, then you've still got the nun who raised Damon, who's still having issues where she's coughing up blood and being sick. But the parts of the show that I liked the most is when they had to go from the end of episode one, where there's the truck driver who gets possessed. And then he's on the side of the road and he gets involved in like the car accident. And he's very obviously possessed. And they send Damon there to get the demon out of him before his family shows up. That stuff. Damon actually doing possession exorcism stuff is the stuff I like the most. And I wish the show was more of that. I agree. And well, I kind of agree. We'll get to that in a minute, but I finally figured out the guy who was in the car crash. I finally figured out that chain of events because I thought originally, remember the truck driver that got killed. I thought that that was Damon's and Anna's father coming back, but it turned out, you know, because I, I missed it and I'm a dumb dumb that it was one of the or the orderly or the two the orderly or the two patients that went to the to the to the tomb and then they got possessed. Then they possessed the truck driver. The truck driver crawled on the side of the road, picked up the driver. You know what I mean? Like that whole situation. Um I did not realize that. And by the time we get to that, but I agree with you saying, I like the, 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 the Damon like, uh, possession and, 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 and exorcism and stuff like that. The only problem I have is Damon is the blandest character in the show. He has no gravitas to him. He seems very like low key where I like Anna. I like caretaker. Who's the one who knows about Anna. I like Yen who's worried about him and his storyline, with the skull because the skull is kind of taking him over. And we find out like last week you were, you didn't understand. Like the guy just jumped off the building and he, you find, this week we find out that he left a note and he covered up all the tracks and everything like that. So I, I do like a lot of what's going on. The only problem with it is Damon is the, my least interesting character though. I will say the whole idea of being trapped the way the guy was like, where you're like, we could free you, but you're going to die instantly. Like that is one of the most terrifying things in my brain. So that <laughs> whole scene bothered me the whole time I was watching it. Demon or not. I'm just like, yeah, we could save you. But as soon as you do, you're dead. I'm like, yeah, can we just leave the car here for a while? <laughs> you know? I don't know. It's just, it, I, I like the show, but I'm not loving the show. Yeah. And so. with, uh, Mandalorian starting this week. I think uh, we're okay in pivoting what we're watching. I'm 100% behind that. I was actually gonna. I was, you know, playing because I wanted to do it on the show to see. But yes, I agree. I'm I'm looking way more forward to Mandalorian. Uh, I tried this. I mean, I'll still watch it because it's like Halloween time. I might bang a bunch out, yeah. but I'm not. I don't feel like talking about it on the show. Yeah, like I I, I don't know. It's like i don't watch a lot of spooky tv okay mm -hmm. and the only reason i even gave this a chance is because there was a tangential comic book connection to it right and there's just something about it that's just not clicking for me and i gave it two two episodes and you know the stuff that i like about it isn't the stuff that's the main focus of the show mm-hmm and is it tough because you're a horror horror fan and this is like horror light? Um, you, do you know no, what I'm asking? No, um, I was enjoying Outcast when we were watching that. Mm -hmm. 
won't do a season two joke. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, but to me, this is like Outcast slash Walking Dead slash Hellstrom. Like, this is the upper tier of my horror, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't want anything past this, but you you have to be really good too. And this isn't really good. This is okay. Right. There you go. That's a that's a good yeah. Analogy, I guess. I don't know. So, but I am looking forward to Mandalorian. So yes, and that Pete that that rolls out once a week, though, right? That's not Correct. not that's not one that they drop all seven or all whatever it is. Okay, good to know. So, can't wait to find out what's been up with Baby Yoda. I hope he's doing well. I do too. I hope this Baby Yoda finds you well. I know. Um, what was I going to say? Um. I know there's a uh, Sasha Banks from the World Wrestling Entertainment is a bounty hunter in it. Oh, no. Is she the boss bounty hunter? Yes. No, she's not Bosk. She's the boss. Oh, I would watch if Sasha Banks was Sasha Bosk. I'll take two. It's like it's like it's all the it's all the bounty hunters from that scene of the Empire Strikes Back, but they're all gender swapped. Oh, they're all divas. Lady Bosk, Lady IG-88. Lady I- Dengar, which I think is the Yete. IG page eight. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, we need to stop the show before we 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 make some fan fiction for someone that sends them down a very dark path. <laughs> I don't even want to get to Dengar, but anyway. All right, everyone, thank you very much for listening to episode 526 of Long Box Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thank you very much for listening. And one day we'll get a better sign off, but that day is not today. Thank you for listening. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon to be named network. The Lamborghini of Podcast Network.